We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Knicks family. How are you doing? It is me, Ritholtzman, Ben Ritholtz, being joined, as always, by my good friend. He is the detail junkie. He's the doctor of jump shots. He's the decipherer of jargon. It is <laughs> DJ Zulo the Great. How are you, sir? What's going on? How are you doing on this fine Sunday evening? Monday evening. Monday evening, Halloween Eve, um, mischief night, uh, as it, I called it growing up devil's night, uh, as I've uh, been known to call it, are you a big (laughs) Halloween, Halloween person? You're going to be, uh, dressed up decked out tomorrow. So look, as a member of the tribe of the Jews, I do not celebrate Halloween. However, 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 we do get our share of trick or treaters. We got the candy ready to go. We don't, we don't, we don't, you know, we don't deny kids at the door. (laughs) We're welcoming to all faiths and people, so we're gonna be we're gonna have a good time. Uh, my good. kids are, are are totally freaking out. We got these next door neighbors with these crazy like things hanging from a noose. They don't know what he's five. He's he's so scared. I don't know why people do this. I mean, I get that you want it to be scary, but they're they're young children, you know, and yeah. they're scared of, of the, we have of we have. Yeah, we have one house in the neighborhood that's got like the all the dolls, like Chucky dolls, and like every like freaky like imagine like a doll in your head of like you know in the scary movies. They're just all over the yard, blood coming out of them, just mayhem. It's like well, you know, and it's right across from the middle school. I'm sorry, <laughs> right right across from the elementary school. I was gonna Excuse say me. middle school seems the elementary school. No, middle school terrifying. This is the element. This is the elementary school, and believe me, it's 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 created a lot of like you know not only scared kids but conversations that you're you're not really as a parent prepared to have. Um, but yeah, we'll be uh, I've I'll be doing uh, year two of Buddy the Elf, so I did that last year. Nice. Uh, I'll be doing that again this sure. year. So sure yeah, we look for you. It is a good look for me, you know. I you know, hand pass out some candy canes on Halloween. It's always you know, a crowd pleaser, but yeah, it's you know, fun time of year. Um, uh, but basketball started and it is uh, you know, in full force. I feel like I'm not my, my muscles, my muscle memory is not really accustomed to the amount of games that are on, let alone just focusing on these Knicks. So just happy to have some real games to sort of break down. I know, and dig our teeth into. 
It's a great, it's great to have actual basketball here to yes. fill up our brains instead of all the, the other nonsense. Mm-hmm. The Knicks are kind of packing in the games in the early part of the schedule here, which is crazy. Uh, they're going to have a, their second iteration of three games and four nights coming up uh, over this week, mm-hmm. which is a lot. And, you know, I think reasons to temper our expectations going forward. I think they got to, they got to squeeze out a few wins here, but just kind of stay above water. I'm sure you'd agree, but let me ask yeah. you this just right out of the gate. Mm-hmm. Three games in one and two nice win against Atlanta. I would say a decent to good performance against Boston against a very good team. And then a dreadful performance with maybe some understandable circumstances against new Orleans. Right. Where are you at on this team? Three games in, if anywhere at all. So I think I'm probably a little more positive than the one and two record would um, probably indicate um, for a couple of reasons. One, I just think, you know, your two best players have been pretty rough overall. I mean, Julius, especially, although the Atlanta game, even though he didn't shoot well, I thought he played a really good floor game. And Brunson, you know, the shooting from three has been good, but it's been, you know, I think the defense has been like bad for even him. And he hasn't made a shot really in that two point range and something that things you're just not going to expect to continue. So I'd expect both Randall Brunson to play better. And I just think RJ has played well enough to where once those two guys join the mix and are playing up to their standard, you add that into what RJ's doing. And I think Mitch has been fantastic all three games. Yeah. I think there's enough with the depth on this team, which I think, you know, um, Thibodeau is still trying to work out in terms of rotations and how they're going to figure all that, those pieces out. But I think overall you think your, your two best players are going to play better. RJ's played really well so far over the first three games and Mitch has been great. Grimes, we can get into in terms of his lack of um, involvement on, in any stretch of the imagination on an offense. But overall, you know, I think the team's played decently and, you know, I think there's obviously a lot more to go. We're three games in, you know, there's been a lot of variance with the jump shooting, um, the Atlanta Atlanta game. They shot great. It went the complete opposite way in the new Orleans game. Mm-hmm. I think you had posted something from shot quality where they, these were open shots. They were missing against new Orleans and maybe plenty, that's of, a, plenty of good looks, look, good looks about yeah, they could. Right. So maybe it was just, you know, tire legs back to back. So, I, I I think this team's still really good. I think they're gonna. They're, I don't. I'm not gonna change my expectations in terms of upper 40s on the win total ex- expectation. And I just think once Randall and Brunson sort of round into shape, they're gonna be fine. What, what do you think? What do you say? No, I'm generally in the same boat. You know, they have Cleveland coming up twice, but it sounds like on uh, on Tuesday they're gonna be without Garland, without Allen. That becomes and Mitchell's questionable. Yes. I mean, if Mitchell right. if Mitchell and Allen play, I, I think that's a game that. Cleveland could win. Those two guys are really good. Mm-hmm. Um, they have some decent surrounding talent, uh, but it's a game that becomes like a should win. And then you hope at you know at the worst you're splitting uh, with that team if those guys even come back on Wednesday. And then you got what they got Milwaukee after that. So or, or the Clippers. I don't remember one of those two. Um, so there's, there's some tough games coming up. But yeah, just just keep your head above water here. I think you have to assume. Certainly Brunson is going to come around. Um, Julius, uh, the every other year curse makes me a little worried, but uh, we'll see. I think he's just got to just shoot the ball and, and worry about the results later. Just let it fly. But yeah, I'm, I'm generally with you. I'm not panicking at all. Uh, the Atlanta game I thought was really encouraging in a lot of ways. And even in the New Orleans game where their offense was trash. Um, and he had about less than 100 points to what I think projects to be a pretty good offensive team. Um I thought the yeah, defense the, was 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 decent. Fine. Yeah. 
was fine. Right. Like I'm, they, I think their defense generally has looked pretty good over the three games. Even Atlanta, I thought, although there were some lapses. So I don't know. I'm I'm fine. Three games in, I think there's what to talk about in terms of trends, what's changed, what hasn't, where we can get better. But overall, yeah, I'm, I'm I haven't changed one thought about this team. Uh, the main takeaway being Julius just has to be Julius. And it sounds like you're a little more. You're, it sounds like you're a little concerned about Julius. Not you're not panicking, but you are. No. You are no. worried. Is that the fair? Is that a fair? Yeah. I, well, a little I was, I was slightly concerned. Like, yeah. I think okay. I, he's just because he's so um, he he's someone who is volatile and mm-hmm. it can go really bad. If Like, it's not we don't have enough of a sample size of Julius Randle being a consistently all-star All-NBA level player. It, it, it does kind of wane and wax around the year, around each year. We'll see. And a lot of it comes down to like, if he's not a competent jump shooter, a lot of the other stuff goes away, especially in this context where he can't really roll to the rim, where there's not the spacing. So it's like he, the reason he was so successful last season was because he just gunned away from three, at least earned defense's respect from there, which allowed, which opened up everything else. And then he, you know, against Atlanta, he did a great job spreading the ball around that he can still do, but it all becomes easier if the jump shot is respected. And I think he's got to get back to that place. And yeah, I'm, I'm slightly concerned that it's not going to be there this year. You never know with him. I hope it is, though. So I think, anyway, I right. think, well, I think and I think just a kind of last thing on sort of like our first thoughts, I, I yeah. really think we're looking at I, RJ. Lots been made about RJ and he's been really good. And I'm sure there'll be questions we can dive in. But to me, Mitch has been just so solid mm-hmm. these three games and, you know, seems like everything is kind of coming together in terms of his discipline, his ability. Um, you know, playing that drop defense and then also, also like rebounding the ball on the defensive end has just been fantastic. And then he's he's sort of eliminated, at least early on, some of those offensive rebounds and just sort of flailing a layup at the at the rim just to get a shot up. Those haven't haven't really been there. And I I just think that he's just seems so solid and consistent right now. And you know, I don't know if this means like all defense team um consideration, but I just think that you know he's he's making up for a lot of deficiencies on that starting lineup and he's just been so solid and Hartenstein has been good as well. So the Knicks are really blessed to have just you know four have 48 minutes of just really solid center play night in, night out. And it's been a real boost to this team and it's just something they can really fall back on every game. No notes, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. That's been a that's been a silver lining for sure. All right. Well, let's let's head to whatever questions anybody has. We'll try to address them the best we can. Andrew P starts us off. Thanks, Andrew. Can you guys please help me understand the lack of motion, pace, and creativity for their half-court offense? Everything is slow and repetitive. What am I missing? Oh boy. There's a start. What is yeah, he missing? I mean, what is he missing, DJ? Several years of uh, questions just like this. Yes. Um you know, I just think there is I feel like we're kind of beating the same drum over and over again, but they get they do get a lot of offense out of their the fact that uh, even though they're not playing great, but Randall and Brunson, you know, they do command a lot of attention and the, and that those swings out of those isolations that where they're, they get two to the ball, they end up giving Grimes or RJ shots at the basket, you know, naked shots, wide open shots that these are the sort of plays that I think if you're the head coach, you know, you have that in your bag. And I know there's, there's, there's this opportunity for more diversity in your offense. But, you know, my thing is like this starting lineup really isn't blessed with a lot of creative 
offensive players in terms of their cutting their off ball movement. The second unit, I think does have a little bit more of that, especially with the DiVincenzo in the mix. But you know, the fact that uh, remains like, you know, out of isolations and post-ups, you know, they uh, Brunson and, and Randall, they get a lot of attention. Those, those plays usually end up with an open shot and then it's a, it's a make or miss league at that. And then you have the Mitchell Robinson factor of the fact he can clean so many things up. This offense is never going to be diverse. And I, 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 especially in the starting lineup. And I, I just think that if they're making their shots and Randall and Brunson are playing well, this is going to be a really good offense. And I think, you know, we're now a few years into it or two years into the Brunson Randall pairing. Uh, this is sort of what it's going to be. Then maybe your second unit with the the pace that quickly brings and the cutting that DiVincenzo, I mean, he can't make a layup, but he will cut to the basket and he'll be open for one. I mean, that, that those sort of things and Josh Hart, um, you know, fast break and in those bump euros on, in transition, there are certain things the second unit can do, but I just think we're, we're at a situation where this first, you know, first team offense, they're going to have to make shots and they're going to do it out of those, whatever uh, Randall and Brunson are going to uh, sort of like kick off and then um, make plays out of there. Yeah. You know, in terms of pace, I mean, right now, so far through three games, which no stats should be taken seriously, mm-hmm. but they're 18th in pace. Um, last year they were, third to last in the league, I think. So mm-hmm. it's up a little bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They've started in the past this way too. And then they slow down as the year goes on. But, you know, I think the pace generally comes with the second unit. Um, I think sometimes when it comes to this, I think it comes down to personnel largely. I think if you look at, especially the starting lineup, you have, you have players in Brunson, Randall and RJ who soak up, 90% of your usage um, who are like to dribble. Mm-hmm. They're good, not great passers. None of them. And they're all kind of late passers. None of them are like anticipatory passers really. Um, and what they are good at is getting into the paint and drawing defenses. So the Knicks design a lot of plays, and to their credit, I think they, they I don't think it's credited enough. The the, ver- the the amount of different actions they have, especially for RJ, at a pistol and then variations off a pistol, elbow sets, et cetera, to get him kind of downhill, especially to his left side. That's what opens things up for him. You know, mm-hmm. you talk about Randall. I mean, they run a lot of stuff from the left side of the floor, trying to get him, you know, where he can get to his right side jump shot, get to the middle of the floor, pass out. Brunson, they run pick and rolls generally. There's not much like variation there, but like, look, it was really successful last year. He, he's really good at it. He and and then when the pick and rolls, when there's a switch, they, they end up in an isolation. But those isolations draw defenders, and as you mentioned, get the kickouts or the drop offs to Mitch, etc. It was effective. And then without you know, and then you get the Mitch offensive rebounds. I think what when you inject a lot of pace or variety or um, complexity to an offense, you do risk certain things that the Knicks don't want to risk. And that's turnovers and that's bad decision-making. And again, with personnel like Randall, especially who are prone to some bad decision-making, you really want things to be simple. They tried to get Randall in that kind of like hub passing mode in year two under Tibbs. And it didn't go well with Fournier Mm -hmm. and Kemba. Like it just didn't go well. Like it's not his strong suit. You're going to get some bad turnovers. Hell, look at what happened against New Orleans. You yeah. have to really simplify it for him. Randall has said himself that the part of the success he's had under Tibbs is how much how simple the reads have been for him. They've they've really carved out an offense that plays to his strengths. So again, we've said this a million times. I think there could be more complexity. There could add some stuff and sets that you know it's pretty much the same offense as last year. They haven't changed really a darn thing about it. Um, but 
The second unit brings a little bit more variety, a little more spontaneity. You see that a little more ball movement, by the way, higher risks of turnovers um, mm-hmm. and, and more pace. And it, the team kind of has always functioned as two different units in that sense. And I think that's okay. I think more importantly right now is that the guys that thrived in this offense last year start to thrive again. And that's, that's uh, Julius and Brunson, of course. Yeah. And um, there's been a couple of plays, you know, that you mentioned the RJ pistol action where he's, Seems to be a little more, and I haven't looked uh, at everyone, but it just seems like he's rejecting that screen a little more often. And when teams overplay it, try to take away that left hand, he's just just hitting that scene going right. And I think he has a little more confidence in his ability to finish in those uh, situations where it's a it's a play that I think he'll just do he'll he'll go to more. And that you know you're running the same action, but there's a different variety, different sort of. Um, counter out of that, which I think he can continue to go to. And then out of, out of that same action, Brunson, maybe keep the ball a little bit, little bit, you know, instead of pitching that to RJ, just keep the ball. Then you have, you potentially have an ISO situation in a two point area where he can get to a mid range, you know, step back. Maybe that, adds, you know, quickly will, will keep it some sometimes and sort of maybe get downhill. So there are certain plays you can run that are your pet actions, but maybe have different counters out of those. Um, we're already seeing some glimpses of that. And even yeah. in the Boston game, I thought Hartenstein, he, there were some nice backdoor cuts for with him and Julius. Didn't bear any fruit because Julius couldn't finish at the basket, but there, because Porzingis was just erasing everything. But there was, you know, a few different occasions in that Boston game where they were kind of sort of using Hartenstein as a little bit more of a passing, you know, um, outlet and, and passing hub and trying to make those plays, get some guys some easy baskets. So, you know, you don't have to necessarily have to change your offense, but you can do different things out of those actions that you have run, you know, several years now. A hundred percent. And they have. And I, I think especially yeah. against Atlanta, there was some nice variety off of the same actions, right? There are counters right. to everything. And no matter how complex your offense, there are some very standard things like, play, you know, you do whatever your defender is trying to do to you, you do the opposite, right? He's, he's giving you the back door, take the back door. He's 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 top locking you back door him. If he's if he's underplaying you, you know, come over the screen like ve- like. This offense has all of those elements. It's just a matter of being efficient and executing them correctly. And yeah. I think you'll get all the shots that you want out of it. Now, one thing yeah. I will say is sometimes the bad habits, this kind of, how, how, how is, it, it exacerbates some of the bad habits that the team has. So that if you're, you are a pretty, you know, simple offense, let's say, and it, and, and it does give a lot of freedom to your main ball handlers. Sometimes the ball gets really sticky. And that's not mm-hmm. to their advantage. And there are sometimes where hell just swing it to the weak side. Often they, they attract so much attention, especially Brunson when he's on, like they load up on him. Just a simple swing to the weak side. You got two on ones, three on twos on the weak side where you can make something happen with a pin in screen. You saw one play that I freaking loved where DiVincenzo sets a pin in screen for RJ. RJ catches the guy, closes out. He hits DiVincenzo in the pocket for a layup, things like that. I think Hartenstein injects a lot of those kinds of spontaneous decisions and Mitch just doesn't have that in his game, right? It's another limitation. He just doesn't have that type of uh, offensive skill set that you can really do a lot. Like he pretty much has to be in the dunker spot getting offensive rebounds, which he's great at. But again, Mm -hmm. it does limit kind of how much motion you can really run. So it's a combination of a lot of things. I think think we're seeing the foundation of what could be a very good offense again with some better decision making and then just shot making, as we said. Yeah. And I also think that you, you watch the nuggets, you watch the warriors. I mean, these are, you know, you're talking about three of, you know, four of the greatest offensive players. I mean, Jokic is, you know, all world. And then you have, you know, obviously the warriors have two of the greatest shooters of all time and an amazing, you know, 
all NBA passer and Draymond Green. I mean, they, these guys can do certain things because they just inject so much terror into um, any any defense. So if they're moving and everything is sort of, as you mentioned, exasperated because you're just so fearful that if you do lose contact with someone, it's an open three that or a back door, and it just you know, the Knicks aren't blessed with those guys, but I think a lot of teams sort of run similar sets that the Knicks do. And I don't think the Knicks are necessarily, you know, behind the times. I, I just think that, you know, there are certain teams that run a lot of variety because they have players that can do that. And maybe the coach is certainly a part of that. But, you know, I, I think to your point, yeah, it's, it's a matter of just like countering off what the team is uh, defense is giving you and making the correct reads, whether it's rejecting a screen. I mean, I'm seeing so much of like guys jumping screens and just inviting the rejection. And, and then guy like Brunson will do that. He'll take it. RJ is getting better at it. But a lot of times he wants to get to the screen because it's to his comfort zone. It's to his left hand reject that screen, get downhill. Then you may, then if the team team, uh, your defense is collapsing on you, make that kick out. But you know, those are the counters that you just mm-hmm. have to be in your game. And I think I'm seeing a little, some signs of that um, from RJ. Hopefully he can continue to build on that. Yeah. And look, I, there are 17 to 20 teams every year whose fan bases think they should move the ball more. It's sure. like probably the primary complaint you see there mm-hmm. are again, as you mentioned, the offenses that are like really ball movement intensive now, like it's gone out of style a bit. A lot of teams run just like high pick and roll over and over and over again. The teams that you watch, they're like, wow, they're running really creative stuff or like Sacramento, Golden State, Denver. OKC, maybe, although it's a lot of shade. Yeah. And even the Warriors, <laughs> um, they've kind of tamped down on it a little bit because just their personnel has changed a little bit over the years. And, you know, they're just, it's, you know, Chris Paul has been, he he brings a certain, you know, style to the game that is going to be a little bit different than they're used to. So you're right. It's just, it's not a lot of teams that run these, these, these high motion offenses. It's, it's very, it's pretty rare. And, you know, more, more teams are just going to sort of like play to the strengths. And, And this league is blessed with a lot of great, scores that could just get buckets and sometimes that is just what that's going to limit turnovers that's going to you know probably get you a good shot and it's it's sort of like you know simple but effective right simple but effective right yeah all right let's get the next question up take it dj all right manny campos uh the spacing feels cramped uh more cramped than usual is that really the case and is that causing all the poor shooting or do you think it's really just early season rust so um uh, we we think we touched on a little bit with the the fact they missed so many open shots, but are you thinking this is a spade more of a spacing issue, or just maybe early season variants, or just uh, as Manny put it, just early season rust? Yeah, I'll say I, I, I have noticed that Manny. I, I think teams are really loading up on Brunson, uh, maybe in a way that they didn't last season. I think he's proven himself now over a playoff run, and I think he's probably garnering respect that he on a different level. Um, and I think teams are really happy to let Julius throw Chuck away, RJ Chuck away, you know, Grimes, they'll pay closer attention to. And then Mitch, as we know, they'll load up off of Mitch as well. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, Brunson's playing in really tight spaces all the time. And the good news is he's one of the best in the league at playing in those tight spaces because he's so quick. He's so jittery. He, he just he can he can. He's so spatially aware, like it's incredible to what he can do in in very tight windows. But he that that's one of his great strengths, and I think that's going to be a recurring issue, especially again, especially in the starting lineup, mm-hmm. um, where you really have off of Brunson when Brunson has the basketball, you have one shooter who teams are probably really concerned about. Uh, right. That is just a reality. 
of this starting lineup. I think again, I think they can make it work. I think with the offensive rebounding that Mitch gives you, you make up a lot, for a lot of it. As long as you don't turn the basketball over, you get shots on goal, and then you go crash the net, right? You go try to get the rebounds. I, I think they'll be fine. But yeah, I do. I think I've sensed that as well. I don't have any reason to uh, way to prove it, but I also have sensed a a really um, uh, shrinking of the space here for the Knicks this season. Yeah, well, I think I as you're talking about, I'm sort of like the games are running through my head, and I'm wondering. If there's a little more size being thrown at Brunson this year, um, I mean, it definitely was in the Pelicans game. I mean, he had Herb Jones on him a lot. And that is like the the one the one thing where he struggles a little bit at size, you know, inside inside the arc. So I, and I think that might give the it's not necessarily an illusion, but just um, make it seem like his space that he's trying to uh, occupy is a little bit tighter. Yes, the team uh, teams are certainly you know, paying more attention, overloading to his side. But when you have six, eight, six, seven wings guarding him, I think that might enhance this idea that he might not be playing with the same amount of uh, pace that he had last year. Uh, so I just think that's something to maybe monitor because I think that's one thing with him where if he's going to struggle, typically it's going to be inside the arc and it's, it's going to be lanky long size that he cannot necessarily, you know, gain a great advantage. And then he's shooting over the top of, you know, guys three, four inches taller than him. And I think that's, that's when it, it could be a little bit tougher, not to say I'm worried about it. It just, it might be something where he might, he might be adjusting to that um, idea where now he is, He's the marked man, so to speak, and he's going to have their the teams if they can do it. They, they're going to have their best defender on him, um, and they're going to just you know let let the other guys, as you mentioned, try to beat them. But you know maybe the fact that he's trying to oversize a little more, uh, maybe that is sort of making th- this idea that there isn't as much space more of a reality. Something to keep yeah. an eye on, at least. No, for sure. I, yeah, they're going to throw their wings at him. Um, I think Herb was tough. Um, I think. Boston, I think because they put Holiday on Randall, I feel like Derek White was on him most of the game. I mean, he's a very yeah. good defensive player, really good defensive player, but not not necessarily. But they could they switched and Tatum spent time on him. Jalen Brown spent time on him. All wings. Mm-hmm. Dejounte Murray, I think, guarded him the, the majority of the Hawks game. Um, and I think and that Brunson, was Brunson's best game. Yeah, Brunson he had his had way. A, I mean, Dejounte's tough defender, but also the. I mean, God, you watched. I you know, I just watched that game because I missed it Friday night. Mm-hmm. What they did to Trey Young. Uh, it, it was honestly one of the worst defensive performances I've ever watched anybody have. And it was in every single facet on the ball. Anytime they got a switch on him, they destroyed him. If he was the weak side help, they just threw the ball up to Mitch Grimes just rose and fired over him like four Twice times from the corner. Or, with, or, yeah, he right. What were he no, attached to him? T- attached. He's attached to him. And he He's just right like, on him. You're yes. Trey Young. I'm just going to shoot. I don't care. <laughs> Uh, and and just, you talked about that in one of the early season shows we did where you just want him Grimes to just shoot the ball, even if he's covered, especially out of, out of that. Um, uh, what's it? The left. Which, which corner, left corner is he? Yeah, left, left corner. corner, right. Where yeah. he's like 45%. So just let it go. Let it go, man. And look, that's yeah. the, that's the, that's the other side to the throwing wings mm-hmm. at Brunson thing mm-hmm. is okay. Now your point guards for teams that have kind of weak spots are always on Grimes and he's got to take advantage. And that's, well, yeah, can but he? that's it. There are two sides to it. Can he? Yes. Does he get the ball enough to? Uh, those are those are important questions to ask. And well, one of the things that hurts Brunson when he's guarding the other wing is that they'll run him around screens, and he he can. I mean, especially that Miami series. That's he just got bludgeoned trying yeah. to, to trying to hang, and the Knicks just don't no. have that sort of 
Talk by the way, they, talk they, about they ways, easy yeah. easy ways to to diversify the offense. That to me, that's always been it. It's yeah. like you can run Grimes off some actions, man. Like, yeah, give him a chance. Like, I'm not sure yet how much juice he has catching and making a play, but I I, I want to see it. And he's a good enough shooter where like he can come off and just nail shots. Mm-hmm. Just run some like wide actions for him in semi transition. Like, go get him. Like they used to say. Like, I don't know. I was a shooter. Like. Mm-hmm. I, we'd come down the floor and the coach would go get him, go get him. Someone would come set a freaking screen for me. It's such easy offense. Sometimes the guy's not ready, especially in transition. You're open for three, like just, just simple stuff like that. Like wide actions, nothing fancy, but like right. even out of just like, he doesn't have to just like freaking run to the corner and stand there until he gets a touch. Um, that's, that's definitely a frustrating element to me. And like he, he just gets lost for, for, extremely large stretches of a game where he does not get any touches mm-hmm. and the get that goes to just a unwillingness at times to just swing the ball to the weak side and get him involved, um, which we talked about and had the personnel not being a very pass happy personnel, like all of it comes into play. And then to the coaching staffs, you know, you, so, some blame goes to the coaching staff in terms of a lack of imagination to get him, to get him going. But we got sidetracked. The p- point being, that against Trey Young, it was just like if he catches it, yeah. just rise up and shoot because Trey's not. Anyway, they destroyed Trey Young in that game. It's kind of I'm not. I don't, it has nothing to do with Manny's question, but I just wanted to. Play. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, let's hit the next question, shall we? Ben, how you doing, Ben? Always good to hear from you, buddy. Uh, why do you think Randall is back to his spin into traffic, take a highly contested shot, aka the spit take ways? I like that. He is up to five six a game so far this season. Thoughts on Randall's turnover woes, DJ? Yeah, well, I guess I'll start with the the positive side of it. I don't, first of all, I don't think it's five to six. I mean, that's a lot of post-ups. I mean, I don't think he's getting that many post-ups in general. And I don't think those are turning into those types of spin into traffic where his, he's, it's a blind spin and then you get the ball knocked away. Um, but I will say this, it just especially in the Atlanta game, and you may think teams are crazy, but the fact is... He's 6'9", 250. He's going to bring help. Yeah. And you know, we're, I, I can sit there and, you know, we've watched him for how many years and we're like, why are teams doubling him? But, you know, thank you for doing it. But why are you playing, paying so much attention? But, you know, teams will, will bring help. So the fact that they can get open shots out of it to me is worth doing. And obviously he's got to make better decisions out of um, when he isn't passing the ball. Uh, taking um, shots that are efficient and good looks. And, you know, he is not a highly efficient post player. He's just, isn't that is we're going on a few years of him not being that. So that is something where, you know, if he's not go, if he's on the left side of the court and sort of like getting into the middle of the lane and maybe drawing a foul and getting that little uh, mid range from the, um, the middle of the lane up and, and in, you know, I don't think there's a lot that he can necessarily go to that I would call like a highly efficient shot. But I think with that said, if he's backing down, especially wings that are, that have been put on him, he's going to draw help and that's going to uh, bring some, some attention his way. And he's going to kick it out for hopefully an open shooter. So, you know, it's, he's got to make better decisions out of these um, attempts, but I, I think the Knicks, you know, need his posts up, threat because uh, teams really do respect it. And I think that if you watch that Atlanta game in that third quarter, he was spraying the ball all over the, the court and and the Knicks were hitting those shots and it was just beautiful offense. And even when they're not hitting them, I think you just have to continue to um, generate open looks. And it's, as we've talked about now, that's one of the few ways the Knicks can consistently do that. Yeah. I mean, I thought he tore Atlanta up 
to be honest. Like I thought he was great yeah. in that game, best in the ball. And I, you know, that's one out of three games. And it's a third of his games. I thought he played a really good game against Atlanta. I know he didn't make shots, but like, I, I'm not getting carried away yet for that reason. I think part of it is that he's got to just shoot. He's got to just shoot. Um, and the pump fake where guys don't actually contest and then he dribbles into them is a recipe for turnovers that we saw that a lot against New Orleans where like a lot of those kind of pump and goes like pump and go is supposed to be like a threat. So I pump and the guy goes for my shot and then I drive past him. But if I'm just mm-hmm. pumping and the guy's still in front of me and then I go, it doesn't translate to much success or advantage creation. So like launch the ball, Julius, like the, again, there's a reason the coaching staff empowered him to do that, even though he's nothing, he's not a great shooter shot 34%. Like, but they're like, shoot the ball because it's healthier for our offense to get those shots up. than some of the things that come after he's got to be willing to just shoot. If he's over five, go over eight, just let him go. Cause he'll have a seven for eight game at some point. Like it's going to come, it'll even out, but he's got to just let it fly and not lose confidence in that jumper. Cause as we said at the beginning, that's the starting point that allows a lot of the other stuff to open up. So, I, I, I'm not panicking yet, but just shoot the ball. Don't drive into oncoming traffic. There's no reason to do it. Like if 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 you don't want to shoot it, then just like pivot into a dribble handoff. Don't just dribble into. But like we're gonna get a heavy dose of Randall post ups because it works for the Knicks. Like they get good shots yeah. out of it often. Like I don't want to. I don't want to overreact to the New Orleans game in particular, which was particularly right. horrendous. I agree. And just to kind of put some numbers to it, just looking at synergy, they have him at um, 16 post-ups, um, including passes. Um, the team, the Knicks are eight, eight for 16. That's a 65% um, effective few goals out of those, um, you know, Randall post-ups where he's pass, either shot it or passed the ball out. I mean, you're going to take that any day of the week and you're just going to, you're going to deal with some of the bad turnovers out of those. But generally I think it's a positive for the offense. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ryan Valderrama. Sorry, did I take it away? No, thank you. Uh, Best way for the Knicks to get Grimes involved? How many shots uh, should he average? Hmm. A game. So I think we've kind of answered this a, f- um, a few times as, as we've talked about, but I mean, you've, you hit the nail right on the head. It's like if, you know, Brunson, Randall, RJ, it's just their job to find him. Um, you had one of my favorite tweets of the year so far. Um, oh, when, thanks. You know, How was it? 
Well, it was the one where the, you know, the Knicks, uh, I think it was the Knicks PR uh, um, oh. Twitter account <laughs> making a note that the Knicks extended um, or picked up his fourth year option. And you responded um, snarkly, perfectly that maybe uh, Randall, RJ and Brunson can exercise Grimes as an option. Uh, and it was no snarks. There was no Stark. It was just a very calmly written. <laughs> and it was well said. And it's, I think it's a, it's a, it's a perfect way to encapsulate sort of Grimes being lost a little bit in this offense uh, that we've talked about the fact that they don't run a lot of the actions for him. You know, it wasn't a, a major weapon last year, but that dribble handoff where he starts on um, the left wing and he, he kind of moves to his right and Julius hands the ball off and he can sort of, set that screen as he's handing it off and Grimes got a lot of open looks out of that. And he's a good shooter going to his right. So that is one way to get him, him some looks. And then beyond that, it's like, all right, if he's in transition, you know, runs to the line and have guys. Um, but then it's like, all right, who's finding him? Who's, you know, RJ has been great in transition um, this year, but a lot of it just been for him. And that's great. And that's carrying over from his, uh, his fever run where he was fantastic in transition as a finisher. So keep doing that but you know for yeah. Grimes to get more shots up it's going to be you know your main three guys finding him and then the Knicks running you know kind of helping him out running some actions for him but you know in terms of the second part you know how many shots uh should he average a game listen if he I thought he would average under under 10 this year um which I think most people will consider a disappointment coming into the season um so if he can get upwards of you know between 11 and 13 I, I just think that's, you know, I think it's a reasonable number considering his placement on the team, um, you know, in terms of what option he uh, he's going to be most times. Yeah. You know? I, look, I mean, he's at 7.3 after these three games per game. Mm-hmm. He was at eight and a half last year per game. It's not that big a drop off, especially considering that he's playing five minutes less a game. So far this season, he played 30 last year. He's playing 25 on the dot this year. And that is a result of having Dante DiVincenzo around and a lot of wings with Josh Hart and RJ and quickly mm-hmm. eating into his minutes. So like, he's not good. Like it's not, if he's playing 25 a game, your best hope is nine. It's eight and a half to nine. Like he's not, it's not getting higher than that. It's with the other guys on this team. I already mentioned one way I think he get more shots is kind of running some very simple stuff for him, especially in transition. Um, and looks, uh, I don't want to repeat myself. So like we talked already about how we like to get him more looks, passing the ball to the weak side a little bit more. One thing I'll say is like, he needs to take advantage of his opportunities too. Like there are times where he has a gap or a, a off one of those DHOs with Julius, for example, he just takes one dribble and passes it back to Julius. Like there is a bit of a, a fear to do more than that at times from him. And it's, he's in a tough spot, man. And he only, by the way, he only plays with the starters. Like the way his rotation goes, like he's mm-hmm. out early and he's back in end of half, end of game. If he gets back in the end of game. So like he literally only plays with Julius and Brunson. Uh, he doesn't right. get to run with that more fleet free flowing second unit at all. Like you think about the shots that DiVincenzo gets versus mm-hmm. the shots that Grimes gets. It's just because the offense is so different when you have Hartenstein and you have Josh Hart and DiVincenzo who are ball movers. So like, He's in a very tough spot. He's in a very tough spot. And overall, he's excelled. And I don't want to underscore that. Like, he had a really good year last year. Um, And it's a tough spot that I think he's going to have to just, like, kind of persevere through, find his shots when he gets the opportunities. Hopefully, the coaching staff enables him a bit more. Hopefully, the the stars get him more involved and make more of a conscious effort. But he's also got to take advantage of the opportunities he does get. Yeah, and I don't want to – I'm not saying he plays fearful. 
but I think that there is probably an element of him just not wanting to make a mistake because I think his whole MO as an offensive player since he's been a Nick has just been, you know, take what the, you know, get, take what's been given to you, make the right play. Don't do too much, you know, keep your keep stay within yourself. And I feel like when he's had to sort of break out of that shell, you've seen like all he could do certain things that are different and unique, but generally speaking, I think he has just been, um, pigeonholed a little bit to the point where I think when he gets those DHOs and he has a seam, he doesn't feel confident that he can sort of explore those spaces because he's just really, I think, conscientious, conscientious of making mistakes. And I think that's part of the thing that he has to sort of grow out of. But right now, you know, he has to make open shots, play defense. He's going to help this team win a lot of games. But beyond that, you know, I just don't know if he's, he definitely hasn't been given that leash. And I think it's just hard for us to expect more of him because the team is not asking him to do more, more than that. And I think that's been part of the, the balance that, you know, he's probably trying to strike and the team is um, trying to strike as well. Well said. Well said. All right. Let's see the next question. Andrew P back. Thank you so much Mm -hmm. for the contribution. You guys are awesome. Do this as often as possible, man. Wow. Andrew. Wow. Talk about is Andrew a- is, is Claudio's middle name start with a P? Is that him just like just just chiming in? It is not uh, Andrew Phineas Claudio. <laughs> oh, Macri's back. <laughs> that is actually Jonathan Macri. Can I confirm? Hey, John. He says listening to you guys while double screening GS oh, Golden State versus New Orleans and Chicago Indiana hoops heaven. I kind of wanted your undivided def- the attention. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what player's performance, if anyone, have you legitimately concerned for the rest of the season? Oh, man. Wow. Um, I, we talked about Randall already. Yeah. But I, I, I'm not legitimately concerned. I'm slightly concerned. Is that the same? Is that legitimate? Maybe it's legitimate, but I'm not that concerned. Is, is there someone else? Yeah. I think we talked a lot about Randall. Is there someone else you have in mind? Hmm. So let's just talk through it then. Josh Hart has been okay, but he hasn't necessarily been the Josh Hart that sort of lit the Knicks on fire when he came over last year. I feel like there is something missing with him. Um, I'm not concerned because I think there, you know, his minutes have, you know, he obviously had some, there were some rest things coming into the um, preseason, coming off FIBA. He might not be necessarily at his peak performance in terms of just his um you know athletic ability he just seems like a step slow mm-hmm. um doesn't seem like he is impacting the game the same way um but i think that is some one of those things where i just feel like it, it'll work itself out there's no injury um that i would be concerned of uh, in terms of josh Hart. and then beyond that yeah i will say that the divincenzo passing and layup Botching. Oh man, is, the layups. Come on. I mean <laughs> it's a problem. And I knew it was a I knew it was a problem, the missed layups specifically. Um, but it just feels like he is getting and maybe it'll work itself out to where he starts to uh, make a little more, but it just feels like he is he is missing every layup where he has to go to the second side rim and he's you know, it's that reverse with the right hand that he's I think he's probably missed three or four of those shots alone um at the basket which is a shame because I mentioned his cutting. He can really, he injects so much variety into this offense, but he's just not converting um, these shots. So I am 
I would just say it's a, it's a small concern, but his finishing ability. And then I, I know you touched on it before um, early on, I think it was before game one um, where about he, you know, he's a good passer, but he's a daring passer. Something Ooh. to watch out for, especially when you pair him with Josh Hart. Yeah. Keep an eye on that. His he gets up in the air, and then things. Even there's been a lot of um, deflections that aren't turnovers, yes. especially in that Pelicans game. Things where you know he a few almost steals, and those things you know we deflect the ball, it just kind of disrupts your whole offense. So I would just say nothing, no major concerns, but the those two little aspects that DiVincenzo's game, little concerned, little concerned. Yeah, I'll pick up on the Josh Hart uh, thread that you started there. You know, he's mm-hmm. another guy. He was playing. He played 30 minutes a night for the Knicks last year, um, yep. and and part of that was RJ Barrett struggling during regular season and therefore not finishing games. And Josh Hart would finish a lot of games for them, finished every game for them basically uh, once he came over. Um, and now he's not or hasn't yet. And I think I don't think Tibbs is like locked into a closing lineup. I think based on how things are going, he'll probably change things up. But he has closed RJ all three games. I mean, cl- he couldn't really close anyway with New Orleans. Um, but you get, you get what I'm saying. And, um, it's harder. Like it is difficult to find a rhythm and make your impact in 22 minutes. It's harder to do than it is in 30 minutes. And where, what is the role? I mean, he's playing basically the four now he's, it's a bit, he's less of a focus with DiVincenzo doing a lot of the handling and you have RJ on those units. So it's RJ DiVincenzo quickly all have the ball more than him. Um, uh, so it's just like, what? where is his impact coming from? He's got to get those offensive rebounds, keep plays alive. Hasn't been as dynamic in transition. Um, and I actually <laughs> wonder if finally, for the first time in his career, teams have figured out to sit on that left-to-right sweep-through move that he does every mm-hmm. single time because he hasn't really made one yet this year. Um, and that might be our fault for publicizing it too much. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but he, uh, yeah, I, he just hasn't been as dynamic. He has said that he's, you know, pretty tired following, um, you know, playing all summer. So yeah. take that into consideration. Trying to find a new role with a new unit um, as basically the fourth option. Even Hartenstein might have the ball more than he does. So like it's, it, it's, he's trying to carve out that, that, that role that impacts winning in the same way. And it might be tough to do. So definitely something to monitor there. You know, the, the OB for DiVincenzo swap, as far as like team continuity goes, is not a big deal. Like mo- most teams have a lot more turmoil and turnover than that, but it does kind of rejigger a lot of things for this team. And they're, they're definitely still sifting through that and trying to figure out where each player fits in. So something, to, something to look out for. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, I know we touched on it, but I guess a, I would say a season long concern would have to be um, not to beat a dead horse, but just, you know, the fact that Grimes is not enough of a threat, uh, not a threat, but he's just not involved enough. I don't see that changing necessarily in a big way. So I I can chalk that one up to being a full season concern for sure. Fair enough. Thanks, John. Thank you. All right. Manny is back. Uh, Manny Campos. Thank you again for contributing. Is RJ finally making the leap? His finishing looks better and his decision making is improved. Does he does he sustain this? Benji, go ahead, take it. What do you think? Has the RJ made the leap? I don't know. Or making um, the leap. Look. <laughs> it could be a small leap. Doesn't have to yeah, be. Yeah, look, leap. I think I think he's shown great improvement. I think yeah. look, I, I I go back to the playoffs last season. I'm not starting that game one this season. I thought he made a tremendous improvement for a large stretch of the playoffs last season. Uh, that showed me something. I said it at the time. 
what he did in the playoffs moved me more than what I saw from him in four regular seasons before. Like I saw where the impact comes from, what type of player he could be. Uh, the finishing looks, I think, probably better. Uh, I think more like I just no. think he's he's as I've always said. I, I think it's just balancing when to actually attack the rim and try to finish and when to kick and when to move the ball. I feel like he's making smarter decisions in that sense. Um, I think he's, he's, as you mentioned before, DJ getting to his right hand more where I think he's just, man, I I just think he's, I don't want to say he's better going right. Cause it's, it is his weekend and he doesn't like to go that way, but when he goes that way, it feels like there's more optionality. He has more of a pace and a cadence to him where like the passing comes from the, and, and there's just like more patience and he can, he can end up sweeping back to his left or he can stay with his, with his right hand. Um, he has that little in and out dribble with his right hand to kind of freeze the defender. I, I always like him going that way better just in terms of how he plays. When he goes left, he just has this tendency to just go right at the rim and try to make a tough lefty layup with his right hand. There's just a little bit more cadence to his game. So like I've seen all of that. It looks good. Um, and I've just loved, I've loved the way he's played. I think decision-making all in all has been much better and is carried over from the playoffs. So yeah, I don't know what the leap means, but he's making a leap. I've seen a legitimate improvement in his game. That is an extremely exciting thing to see as an fan. Yeah, I agree. And um, I, I would just echo everything you just said and ask you it, ask you this question, the jump shooting, you know, what his FIBA game, uh, his performance, I thought his jump shot looked pretty good. It's he definitely, he, there, it's been changed. It's been altered. I think it's looked pretty good. Um, so far this year, he's making his free throws. I think 14 out of 17. How are you feeling about his uh, jump shooting specifically just off the catch? Oh, specifically off the catch. So that's that's yeah. a good qualifier. Um, yeah. I can't. I know. Uh, you know, our, our friend Prez has been all over this. There's been a tremendous mechanical change. I haven't. I haven't seen it to a great extent. I. I. I it does seem maybe a little bit smoother. Yeah. Um. He's shooting so far. He's thirty-seven point five percent. Pretty good. I'll take it. Take that over the yeah. full season. I'd be thrilled. Um, yeah, I, I, I think it does look a little bit better. Uh, I'm going to expand on your question though. I, some of the interesting yeah. stuff that I've seen is the off the dribble shooting mid range that I don't, I do not do not, not, not want him to start like relying on as like a regular shot that he takes. However, in a, in a pinch, it's like a really important shot and like when he needs it and to see him kind of smoothly transitioning, kind of gathering and shooting, which is something he's always struggled with. It's always looked really mechanical off the dribble. Yep. Um, from the mid range, at least it's looked much better. He made that huge one on the left baseline, which I was shocked that he took over DeAndre Hunter mm-hmm. late in the Atlanta game. He had one on the, on the opposite side of the court on the right corner, I think against Boston, where he just kind of, the guy went under the screen on the baseline. He kind of in and out of dribble, a little step back baseline jumper that he knocked down. Um, so that stuff's looked really good and kind of an interesting little improvement to his game that again, I don't want him to rely on too heavily, but at least gives him another option when teams are really daring him to shoot. Uh, so yeah, all good signs, all good signs. Uh, you know, we'll see about, I'm not, I've never been a, 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 a RJ jumper optimist. I don't know if he'll ever be a really good shooter. And for me, honestly, the most important thing out of everything we've talked about is that he's shooting 83% from the line. And like, if that sustains, that's a huge, huge deal for this team. If he becomes a really reliable free throw shooter. Yep. And he shot well in the preseason. So 
Yeah. At that end, he's it's been it's been a good run of free throw shooting. And then just to put a bow on the RJ uh, conversation, his defense, I think, has been pretty good this year overall. Mm. Yes. And then, you know, I don't know when, why it, it's sort of like he turned the switch off last year and what happened. I, it, it's a, it's a mystery. And then it's one of the, it's an, it's an aspect to his game, which was pretty good in the playoffs. So it's just why in the regular season last year, was he so poor as a defender? I, yeah. I don't know that. Um, I don't have the answer, but he's been pretty good this year. And you know, if he can just sustain the decision-making, the passing, you know, is he the best at getting the ball to the weak side shooter on the team right now, making that pass? He's done it a few times. Yeah, six, he, seven. Might, he will. He I mean, will, it's not. Be. It's not like he's not amazing at it, but I feel confident where you know if he he draws a defense, he can get that ball over to that corner with pretty good velocity and accuracy. And yeah, I just think Brunson struggles at that pass, and there's just no one else really on the roster. Josh Hart maybe every once in a while can do it, but it doesn't, that, run, a, it doesn't run a lot of pick and roll. No, um, he doesn't. And then but DiVincenzo might, but he might throw it six rows up for all the other. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so he, that, dude, that dude scares me. And Tibbs is going <laughs> to blow up at one of these. Like him, he and Josh Hart are just chucking the ball around. They've, they've had like several just like miscommunication, throw out of bounds kinds of plays. And Tibbs looks like he's going to kill one or both of them or like just go to Villanova and burn down the gym. One of those, he's going to do one of those things. <laughs> And they make up for it, I guess, with like their all the other stuff they they do to sort of. Yes, the that is a positive but spin, but it's, it's yes, but it's maddening. A lot, it's maddening. Yeah, <laughs> so it's a lot. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's a good point. I, honestly, with RJ, I yeah. like him to some a, a hundred. He's done it really well this year. Sometimes even earlier, like that kick is there if he just like. Sometimes you see like the best pat, like Luca does this once in a while, where like he'll just freaking fling that thing to the weak side corner before the defense even moves, just like. RJ's got the size and the strength to do that. And right. and it's just about kind of like recognizing it and seeing it early enough where you just kind of sling that ball. Grimes might be open in that left corner right off your initial pistol. Like you don't even have to get middle of the floor. Like your first dribble, defense commits or starts leaning even, and you just you just gun that ball to the weak side corner. Another way that to get Grimes maybe some more shots. Yeah, and way. if it's a point guard guarding Grimes and he's closing, but it's a it's a point sure. guard. Yep. Six two, he can get over and rise up and make that shot. Yep. That's right. That's right. All right, let's see the next question here. I think we got a couple more. Ben's back. Hey, Ben. How is Brunson getting called for flopping constantly when he's a small dude? His path is constantly impeded by bigger guys. DJ, ref corner, hit it. Yeah, so, so to me, the flopping has been, unless I'm missing something, more of the landing on the foot or lack thereof, and then flopping out of those actions, um, which to me is like, they have to just clean up what a flop is because I don't know if you've, yeah, I know this has happened to you. If you step on someone's foot coming up for a shot or you fear that happening, that is a scary situation oh, yeah. for a shooter. So if you, if you come down on someone's foot, I mean, there are just few things on the NBA core that's going to like be as like, you know, it's going to cause you to panic as much as that. So I can see him being wary of the fact that in that Miami series, and I'm sure this is in, in the back of his mind, how many times did he step on Martin's foot? I mean, there's at least three or four that I can remember and rarely called complaining the entire time. And then this season, it's been like two or three times where he stepped on, um, you know, he's come down on someone's foot and yeah, he's flailing a little bit and, but and maybe he's exaggerating the movement coming down, but that is just a very disconcerting position that referees are now putting him in where if you're not going to call those and you can't, you're not, 
allowing him to sort of sell it, then he's now he's stuck between a rock and a hard place. What is he supposed to do in that um, situation? To me, it's, it's, it's been a, a really just like a maddening aspect to this early season. The fact that refs have missed calls. Um, yes, he'd had one where he didn't necessarily land on. Um, I forget what game it was. It might've been the Pelicans game where he didn't, there, there wasn't a, any foot to foot action, but he was just off balance and sort of came down on one, you know, coming off one foot. Maybe that just threw him off. Didn't necessarily feel like something that uh, necessitated like a flopping call in that situation. So I don't know the, that just seems like, something where I can see how he is extremely frustrated and it's been probably building since the Miami series, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. We've lost the plot on this rule. Um, it was instituted because Zaza Pachulia very intentionally stepped under a Kawhi Leonard jumper and knocked Kawhi out of the playoffs. He might've been the best player in the league at that point and knocked him out for the playoffs. The whole idea is to protect that exact play. Shooters therefore started doing all sorts of crazy things like kicking out their legs in crazy ways, shifting their hips as they shot to try to get bumped as they shot coming around screens. Mm -hmm. And before a defender could even back away, jumping into them, all that crap, the very young crap, frankly, that was a result of these landing rule areas. So now they had to call flops. The problem is you can't call flops when the, for on the plays where the, the, the call was designed in the first place. Like landing on the guy's foot was the reason the rule was instituted that led to all this garbage that led to you trying to get flopping out of the game. But now you're losing the plot in the first place. If a guy's landing on someone's foot, that's a foul. Not only is it a foul, it could be a flagrant. Jason Tatum's could have been a flagrant because he stepped forward as Brunson's landing Mm -hmm. in a very, very natural shooting motion. And Brunson Brunson's foot did what my foot has done a gazillion times after a jump shot. When you land on someone's foot, you try to take your weight off of it and kick it up in the air. That's all that was. That was a horrendous, horrendous call at a big point in the game that could have been a five-point swing in that game. So, like, that was horrible. That was horrible, and it's we're losing the plot here. Like, the mm-hmm. first thing that you're policing is making sure that a guy is not stepping in the landing area. Work from there. Like, that's the baseline. So they need to freaking figure that out. Thanks for getting me on that rant, Ben. Yeah, right. I love that. All right. Couldn't agree more. Let's see the next question. If we have any more. John. <laughs> All right. One more non Knicks question. All right. Watching the Pels double Steph at half court. How many more impactful offensive players have you watched in your lifetime? More impactful. That's a tough one. Um, so I grew up in the, in the nineties. So I would say Jordan has to be there, but I will just say this. I don't think teams played him with a sort of, well, it's, I mean, he wasn't extending out to 30 feet. So it's just, that's, that alone is going to bring a certain, um, that's going to disrupt your net, your base defense much more than, than MJ sort of dominating in the areas that he dominated mid range. Um, stuff like that. So in terms of like changing how you play defense, I don't think just on that alone and just basing my opinion on that, I don't think, I've seen anyone more impactful than Steph to be completely honest. And then you, you talk about the plus minus. I mean, it's been, it's historic how, how much better the, the Warriors have been with him on the court versus with him off. So, you know, obviously MJ is a better player overall, but in just terms of the offense alone, I think you have a great argument to say it's, it's in my lifetime, it's Steph. 
Yeah, the only two, and I mean, I, I, I was when Jordan retired the first time. I was seven, but I, I've certainly watched a lot of Jordan tape. I'm very familiar with what he does. I've watched every playoff game he's probably ever played. That's all. That's on YouTube anyway. Um, the other two that come to mind for me are like 2000, 2001 Shaq. Yeah, it's a great one. Um, because it was an auto double. So mm-hmm. just like that in itself, like if you're auto doubling every post or else you're getting thrown into the rim, like that opened up everything for that triangle offense in terms of kickouts. Uh, that he in, in the inside out way instead of the outside in way that was right. an extraordinarily impactful offensive player. Just an that's a great one. Monster. That, that peak Shack might be the answer. Yeah, and then and even even when he was oh, sorry, just on just no, like no, hit. wrap up the Shack point. Even when he was with Miami, I remember Dirk talked about it in their their first finals. Um, matchup where yeah Dwayne Wade was the MVP and he was he was putting up all the scoring numbers but he Dirk was very clear Shaq is the one that's tilting everything he's the yeah. one in this is Shaq at you know 75% maybe 50% of what he was at his peak so um yeah no, just, peak Shaq was just this there's, there's there's there'll be never anyone there won't be anyone like him again put it that yeah, way yeah I mean the idea that you could never single cover him um <laughs> just like what that does to a defense is crazy um and then the only other one, and it was a shorter stint, but like peak Rockets Harden, yeah, um, was has had defenses doing some crazy things, <laughs> like forcing him inside the arc. Remember the Bucks did that; they played behind him for a stretch to like force him into floater. The Jazz did that. Yep, because they couldn't deal with the step, the threat of the step back, and then the driving game. If you if you overplayed that, um, yep, he was a unique machine those couple of years at his right. peak that really warped defenses in a very unique way. So, that wasn't as, it wasn't as pleasing to watch, right, right? but it was as dominant as anything I've seen. It was. So the playing behind Harden thing is just one of the craziest things to see. Like if you've seen it for the first time, that was like the most wild defensive <laughs> alignment because you were literally inviting him to penetrate and get downhill. Yeah. And then remember it was Clint, Clint Capella catching lobs and then Harden at that time had a great float game. So it was like, you're just allowing these two other options to just be there because you were so terrified of his step back. So yeah, I mean, the heart, the Rockets Harden is a. I know there's he's got a lot of issues now and all that, but just he is a he was an absolute uh, uh, game changer of the highest order at that point. Yeah, no, hundred percent, hundred percent. And look, I you know I think LeBron's. And not hasn't been mentioned yet. And I think mm-hmm. if you combine kind of just like transition and what the threat of him and transition meant to teams and I, you know, look, man, like LeBron in like 2016, just like, like dominating over the half court and just passing yep. and I mean, it's hard to say he's not in that conversation. Um, I, and yet I probably wouldn't put him in that conversation. I, I think it's a little bit different, but overall, mm-hmm. obviously LeBron, the whole, the whole package is, is different package. than any yeah, of these yeah. guys, right. but just as like a half court, what it did to a defense, um, I'd, I'd put those other options ahead of him slightly. Um, and then, so. and then Jokic, obviously. Um, oh hell, forgot he's, about him. he's right, he's getting he's there. Right, he, he's getting there, and he just—he's one of those guys. Um, there just isn't a good answer because if you, he can just destroy a single cover uh, coverage situation. His post-up game is incredible. His shooting now has gotten to the point where it just feels like every shot he's taking is going in. And then you you combine that with the passing and all the things he does. Um, and then the last guy I'll just mention, I don't think he's there yet, but in a year, maybe even before we end this year, is Luca in that conversation? Has he has he figured 
some things out? Is he playing with the right downhill threat and Derek Lively that he's just allowing a little more space and that that lob threat? He's he's close. He's certainly not on the on the level of guys we've talked about, but it just feels like this year, at least to start the season, he's he's having that year where if he's an MVP of the league at the at the end of it, I will not be shocked. No, certainly mm-hmm. could be in that conversation very soon. Um, yep. I think adding some variety and quick decision making would go a long way with him. But uh, yeah, man, he's he's quite special. All right. Well, I think that is it from us. Thank you guys all for joining, for asking all your great questions. Always, always a blast to kind of break it down with you, DJ. Uh, Please like this video and subscribe to our channel. And if you're listening to the feed later, please leave a five-star rating and a review. We always appreciate the the good word getting out. we love doing this and 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 every every review every comment helps a lot so we appreciate all you guys stay well talk to you all soon